We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com. Here again for the second time in week 11 with Bears insider Aaron Lemon. How are you doing today? Oh, man. You know, it's uh, it's the weekend for me. It's a four-day weekend, so I am going to enjoy that weekend. So I guess that's that's pretty much it, man. I don't know really how much how excited I am for Sunday's game, but I'm sure that'll change by the time it rolls around. You know, you you, you typically complain about the weather how's it, or in the summer, but is it nice out there right now for you? Uh, not really. It's been pretty windy. I mean, it's not cold like where it is for you guys, uh, but it's been super windy, so it kind of makes it hard to do anything. But, you know, that's that's typical de- desert weather. It's it's either going to be anytime the seasons change, it goes from, you know, hot to cold, it's windy. It goes from cold to hot, it's windy. It, it doesn't really, I mean, this is just kind of par for the course for us. Yeah, but you don't get cold like this. Anybody who's in the Chicago area knows that it's, it's starting to get into that biting cold uh, time of the year. Uh, I have, I'm looking out my back window right now, just seeing leaves falling like crazy. So uh, a lot of work to do in the in the yard in the next couple of weekends. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Chicago Bears team. It's three and six, and uh, we kind of took the coaching staff to task in our Monday uh, podcast after that horrible loss to the Packers last week, which really just kind of flushes the season down the toilet. And this week we had an opportunity to talk to that coaching staff and and tried to get a few answers. And I just want to get right, I want to get right into it. Uh, Deion Sims has uh, some type of mysterious illness that the Bears will not uh, reveal. They, all they say is he uh, has an illness, hasn't practiced for two weeks. Very unlikely to play this week again. Uh, was but was in the building on Monday. 
working. I think he was doing some exercise. Uh, then he w- then he couldn't do any exercise because he was tired on uh, on, on Thursday. So it was a very confusing situation. And John John Fox was asked about it by Brad Biggs of the Tribune, and this was their exchange. Did Dion exercise today? Uh, I think he was tired today. Was what I heard. Um, well, um, it's okay. You're dealing with an illness, you know, in some way, shape, or form. There's laws against that, and there's laws about it. Uh, I think illness covers it. I mean, I'm not being evasive, but I kind of am. All right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for a right reason. If he was that ill, why would you let him back in the building? Um, it's they're not worried about that part right now. I'm not the doctor here. All right, yeah. I mean, I wish I could. I wish I could be, but um, I don't know. They they won't let me do that. Practice. They get. I would get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Apparently so. So I know uh, <laughs> that was that's one of the more uh, lively exchanges that you'll get in a in a in a press conference. And I think I think John Fox. And in a way, handled it well. But overall, this this situation is very. I mean, you understand the frustration of Brad Biggs and everyone. Uh, you know wh- why they can't tell us what the illness is. I mean, so much uh, so much uh, information we get on body parts is is crazy. But when it comes to an illness, all of a sudden uh, they they start bringing up HIPAA laws. I, I don't know. What 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 are your thoughts on this? Well, I did a little bit of research. Uh, and obviously I'm going to preface this by saying that I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I don't really have much, uh, you know, knowledge of the law, stuff like that. So this was my interpretation coming straight from the HIPAA website and just the things that I've read. And basically what it sounds like is, uh, this is, like I said, straight from the website, it says examples of organizations that do not fall under the HIPAA laws, life insurers, employers, which would be the bears, uh, working worker compensation carriers, most schools and school districts, and it goes on. So, essentially, the Bears, uh, as you know, employers and as an organization, do not fall under this. Uh, my understanding is that it's mainly uh, for hospitals and healthcare providers not to be able to release information like that. So, I think here's my thing: is I. I I don't blame John Fox for not wanting to say because this is a little bit more personal than he hurt himself on the football field or whatever it may be. I, I get that part. But my thing is, do just come out and say, hey, you know, this is a little bit more personal. This is a sickness. Uh, it's not really our place to say anything. If, if Dion wants to come out and say something, once this is all figured out, then he can. But, I mean, we just heard it. We heard the whole entire interaction. My, my issue is, is he... He, he flat out lies, at least from my interpretation of what I've what I've read and talking to a few other people. I mean, the whole HIPAA thing or the laws, I don't I don't see any sort of laws whatsoever that would bar him from saying anything. It's like, you know, and he, and he basically says, I'm not lying to you, but I'm lying to you, you know, like, OK, so why not just why not just be straightforward? That's my whole entire thing. And I think we've talked about this many of times. I know obviously you guys deal with it a lot more having to deal with him on a weekly basis in terms of. You know, dude, just come out and say, be straightforward. If you don't want to talk about something, just say, I don't want to talk about this. I mean, it's 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 a lot easier than than going through this whole rig and roll and you know having Biggs basically make you look like an idiot on the stage. Well, and it's I, just, I, I agree, and I think that that's what that's the problem here. It's it's two and a half years of not getting a straight answer from a guy, and you know this is what it it it, it leads to uh, this type of exchange and and. Uh, 
you know, I, I, I don't know enough about the laws to really comment on it, but I, I think that it's more, it, for me, it's more, you know, uh, you and I have discussed this many times on the podcast. Anybody who's a subscriber to Bear Report has heard me uh, rant about, you know, the ways that things have changed under John Fox uh, and, and a lot of the paranoia and just re- some just re- ridiculous ways that they've, they've handled different things. And uh, I, I don't agree with a lot of it. I think it's insulting to the fans. And I think it's, you know, it, for as beat reporters, we eventually it, it's insulting to us. And that's how you well, how you get those type of, uh, I, I guess, confrontations between the media and, and uh, uh, the head coach. I mean, John Fox, don't get me wrong. John Fox wasn't angry about it. I mean, they were joking about it as, as he left the press conference. But, I mean, those... That's uh, kind of where this has gone between the, the, the media and, and, and Fox. And I know a lot of people don't care about the media and, and how, you know, what, what, what our side of it is. But, uh, you know, I think that, that was just a very, very interesting uh, exchange there and kind of shows you what two and a half years of being misled constantly uh, kind of leads a person to or a whole group of people. I mean, I think that's really the frustrations of everybody that was in that room was uh, – uh, Brad was kind of letting that out for everyone. So now, before before we go on, I, and, and this is something I want to ask you. Now, from an outside perspective, it kind of seems like the, the media as a whole, with all you guys, you know, covering him as much as you cover him, it almost kind of seems like you guys know there's a little bit of blood in the water, and it almost kind of seems like this is boiled over frustration, you know, on Biggs's part and on everybody else's part. Do you anticipate, you know, as John Fox keeps? continuing to answer questions the way he's answering them right now do you, do you think that this is going to continue to be a thing with the media with him where things are going to get more and more heated well, i don't know if heated uh is necessarily going to you know the, the conversation is going to get more heated but i do think that the the questions are going to start getting more and more poignant as far as you know his future in chicago i, I i've been down this road before uh, with Mark Tressman, I mean, it wasn't so obvious with with Lovey Smith when he was fired after a ten and six season. It wasn't like everybody saw that coming, uh, but with Tressman, it was a dead man walking for for uh, a couple of months there. And you know, we saw like every week he had to answer more and more questions about his job security, and and that started after the Packers game last week. Uh, John Fox was asked about uh, his. Uh, job security and he said i've never worried about it before and i'm not going to worry about it now and i just know from my experience i'm seven years doing this when a coach is being asked questions about his job security unless you're mel mel tucker and you somehow last through two years of that nonsense you're 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 probably gone and and i you know i I don't i do think that that those questions are going to continue to come and and at this point there's no there's no long-term benefit for a beat reporter to cozy up to the head coach that we know is not going to be around much longer i mean so yeah i i think there's you know when when a new head coach comes in you don't want to piss him off and and you know get him on the wrong on the bad side because then he's not going to give you any type of information not that john fox does but you know he's not going to uh, you know you don't want a guy fighting against you the entire time that he's here uh, so you you know you, you you kind of avoid those types of confrontations or certain situations and the and uh, once you get to this point when you know John Fox is probably gone yeah I mean what's what do you have to lose I mean go after him so yeah I, I think this could get a little bit uh, a lot of these press conferences could be uh, must must see TV here going down the line but uh, this week's definitely was for sure. 
Let's move on. What do you think of Tyro Santos and all the interest that the Bears have shown in him? They had him in for a tryout this week. Did uh, not apparently not going to sign him right away, but uh, I, you know, you you've discussed it. We you know, doesn't look like they feel very you know confident in Tyler Barth, despite the fact that he kicked three field goals over forty yards. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think my thoughts are simple in terms of Connor Barth is not the long-term answer. Uh, I don't even think – I think if they could find somebody to replace him right now, they would. I think the biggest key in this whole entire situation is the fact that I don't think he's quite healthy yet. Uh, the Bears have shown a pretty good amount of interest in him over the last like five or six weeks, at least according to Brad Biggs. I mean, he's been calling this for a while. They brought him in. They put him through a physical. They didn't, you know, sign him to a contract. The same thing happened. Oh man, I want to say it was like with Washington or somebody. Like I think it was like three weeks ago. And I could be completely wrong on the team, so don't quote me there. But I just think that the Bears know that they need to go a different direction. I think a guy like Santos. He's I think he's 26 years old. Uh, he has like an 84% uh, career field goal percentage. I mean, he's been really good. He was really good last year. Uh, I mean, ultimately, the only reason that the Chiefs ended up cutting him this year after they had him on IR is for the simple fact that uh, Butker came in. He's been great for him. So they felt like, you know, he might as well might as well go with the hot leg or whatever it is in this situation. But I think it I, I don't know. I mean, we've we've we talked about the kicker situation as a whole, and it seems like they have certain guys identified, but I also think those guys that have been identified are probably still on teams right now. I guess my 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 frustration with this is you look at some of the teams and what they've done, uh, you know, going into training camp. A guy like Butker, for a prime example. I mean, this is a guy that went in the camp and was originally cut. I mean, where were the Bears when some of these guys? There was a, there was another name too, an undrafted guy, uh, you know, undrafted rookie that basically came in, got cut. It's like why are the Bears? not looking in these directions. And I think some of that has to do with the coaching staff, but I think some of it has to do with pace as well. Um, so, I mean, it's it's not a huge deal this season, but you would like to see, like, you know, Santos, for example. I mean, you know the guy's good. If, if he's healthy, sign him, keep him around, get a, you know, a, a five- or six-game look at him. Obviously, it's not going to happen this week, but he's somebody that can be your long-term answer. He's 26 years old, and he's he's had good success. So, and they but put I him think, through a physical. I mean, I mean that was that's the problem. And like you mentioned before, he's not healthy. I think I, if he had passed his physical, don't you think they would have signed him? Exactly, and that, that's kind of the more the point of what I'm getting to. I don't I don't think he's particularly healthy. So I'm not going to jump on the bear. You know, I'm not going to jump on the bears and say, oh, they should have signed him. You know, it doesn't make any sense to sign a guy like Cairo Santos and put him on IR. That isn't financially. That makes no sense at all. I know a few people on on Twitter have kind of said that. It's like, no, don't do that because. The interest is there. If the Bears really want him, the Bears can go out and get him, even if it's in the offseason. But I do like it that they – it's very evident, even with this coaching staff, they know they need to move on from from Barth. And, I, you know, obviously the season's kind of at a loss right now. But if you can get a guy like Santos, who is healthy for the last few games, I mean, you might as well give him a shot. Yeah, and the Bears I, – I don't. I, this isn't the first uh, kicker that the Bears have brought in to challenge or at least, uh, you know, get a look at is a possible replacement for Connor Barth. I think the fact that he made all four, three of his field rolls from beyond 40 yards, one from 49 yards in those uh, pretty sloppy conditions at Soldier Field last week, I think that kind of shocked everyone. I don't think anyone expected him to make all three of those field rolls. And I think in most situations, 
probably, you know, 80% of the time he's not going to make all three of those. I think you're right. The Bears know what they have, and Barthy's not the, a long-term option, and, and they're looking at all the other uh, scenarios uh, right now. And like you said, it's a, it's a done season, so, you know, let's look at what, what's out there and start thinking long-term. And if Barth isn't a long-term guy, I think it's I think it's good for them to take a look at Santos. I mean, if he didn't pass a physical, if he's not healthy, like you said, it doesn't make any point in signing him. But at least to me, it shows that they are out there uh, trying to work on on, on upgrading a, a, a you know a, a fairly serious need. And I, this is something that I was t- I was having a conversation with some friends last night <clears throat> about how a game that is so uh, you know built on on brutality and physicality and force and and just you know being able to outmuscle your opponent and outthink them and out strategize always comes down to this little isolated. Uh, you know, five foot ten, former soccer player. You know, most games come down to his ability to do his job. You know, a guy who's not even, uh, you know, if you've ever been to a practice, the the kicker, the lawn snapper, and the punter are their own little group that are completely separate from everyone else. So I mean, I they it's almost like not most of them don't have even friends outside of that little group, and you know, it's it's a very weird scenario. So I think, you know, the fact that they're there is so much value in that that one position. It it definitely makes sense to look at other guys because it, as crazy as it seems, yeah, that I mean, points are going to win you football games. That's just such a stupid thing to say. I mean, I mean, I hope I don't become a meme for saying that, but I mean, these are the guys who store you points. And Connor Barth has not been a consistent guy in that area. So I I, I commend them for for at least looking at a guy like Santos. And maybe if he gets healthy, they will sign him in a couple of weeks. We'll see. Uh, let's keep to talking about injured players and, and what the Bears are dealing with. It looks like the, the Lions, though. Uh, Ziggy Ansa has already been declared out. Is that correct? Uh, I don't know if he's officially been declared out, but the one of the main beat writers, I think it was Dave Burkett, basically came out and said that he did practice today and he was not going to play this, yeah, this, no. this Sunday. So, Well, that's great news for the Bears' offense because obviously they the less pressure you could they have to deal with the better it's going to be for Trubisky, especially if they put him over there where Bobby Massey has just been. But out. is it though? Because it seems like every single time a key player goes out for the other team, like you know, for like let's just say Ansa for example, like he goes out and now somehow the Bears are going to give up six sacks to a bunch <laughs> of random other dudes. It's like it just never seems the, the Bears never capitalize on these kind of a, these kind of breaks. It doesn't seem like. Well, let's talk about the positive end, and, the, and this applies to that. Then uh, Kyle Long. Uh, practice for the first time. I had a full practice. This two full practices this week for the first time since injuring uh, that hand in week eight, and that's great news because that gets your starting uh, offensive line back together. That original starting front five, which I can only benefit them as as far as the upfront protection and and run blocking, which has been sketchy. And I think what it does ultimately is it gets. Horace Grassu off the damn field, and I think that in itself, you know, getting the guy who plays with roller skates off the field. I went and watched the tape from last week. It is so. I mean, I didn't. I don't want to bash on a guy. On I, I typically don't like to bash on a guy, and I knew what I was gonna was gonna see on the film, so I didn't write a story, an all twenty two piece on it, because I knew it was just gonna be a total uh, total mess. But man, oh man, the guy is just. He was killed. I mean, he was the reason. Almost single-handedly, the reason that they weren't able to run the ball uh, consistently against the Packers. So, if you get Cal Long out there, you're able to put Cody Whitehair 
back at center. I think that's obviously the ideal scenario. Obviously, there's going to be an issue with Bobby Massey and pass protection the remainder of his time in Chicago. is just something you have to deal with. But, again, a, a somewhat healthy Kyle Long should help in that regard as well because he's playing right next to him can give him that type of help. So, Also, I think one of the bigger uh, returns – to the you know the healthy list here is Sherrick McManus, who has also been a full participate participant in practice this week uh, with the hamstring injury. I, I think the Bears have really missed him on special teams, along with Roy Robertson Harris, who is also uh, one of the better special teams players on this team. That's going to help in an area that has really struggled the last couple of weeks since since McManus went down with that hamstring injury. So those are three positive guys uh, that. Uh, are going to be back this week with the addition of those three how much of an impact how much better do the bears look in this game against detroit i think it'll definitely help um they actually just put out the whole entire practice reports including all the questionables and all that fun stuff so i i mean we can get to that as well so it's good to see kyle long sherrick mcmanus uh looks like sam ocho and also uh and i'm uh, uh roy robertson harris they're all off the off the injury report, so it looks like they're all going to be good to go, which is definitely a plus. I think, and it's interesting too because DeAndre Houston Carson, who's been excellent on special teams ever since he's he was one of those guys that he got claimed from another team. Is like right at the beginning of the year, and the Bears are like, no, we're going to go ahead and we're going to pull you up, and everybody's kind of wondering like why'd they do that? And I think they I think at the time they released like Tanner Gentry, and everybody was freaking out, but. Uh, you know, and, and all of a sudden Houston Carson has an illness. And now he was limited and questionable. I would guess he plays, but you look at those kind of guys, and 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 we've talked about it a lot in the past, especially with special teams. Those are the kind of guys that are huge values because we've seen how bad the Bears' offense has been all year, and we've seen you know the the Bears' defense has been good. There's really no way around that. But obviously, with any team, they're going to be a lot better working with a longer field. And I think the biggest key out of that, especially for the defense. Uh, when the offense is going three and out almost every other drive or every drive, really, uh, is having the special teams, the gunners, to be able to go down there with a guy like DeAndre Houston Carson, a guy like Sherrick McManus, to be able to go down and limit those returns. Because we've seen a few big returns that have either been called back by penalties or even going back to the the Ravens game when McManus went out when that was a huge issue. And I think that's a big value for the Bears, and I think that's one of the main reasons they've been able to keep some of these games close is because – their their gunners have been so good in limiting returns and helping their defensive field position. So I think that's big. That's definitely big. Uh, you know, some of these other guys on here, as far as a practice uh, report, uh, well, if you have it in front of you. Before, yeah, I do. But before you go any farther, you bring up a really good point about DeAndre Houston Carson. And that was he wasn't getting the opportunity to play in those roles because Sherrick McManus was in the in the, in that starting spot. Once they put him into those roles, all of a sudden the player who at William and Mary, you know, at a small stool, even though you're a starter on defense, you have to play special teams. It's not like going to one of the big stools and never having that experience from being a starter. He had to play on special teams. He was really successful in special teams in college. Really didn't show it last year, but now all of a sudden. Maybe that 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 uh, you know the f- f- switch has been flipped, and now you not only have Sherrick McManus, but you also have DeAndre Houston Carson out there that you can use at the same time to you know really uh, ramp up that special teams. And like you said, I think that that's 
been a reason all season that the Bears have been able to keep some of these games close is that they've been winning the battle of special teams and getting all those guys back and now having uh, DeAndre Houston Carson really excelling in an area that the Bears thought that they were going to get from him right away as a six-round draft pick. Uh, it's been a real benefit. And, you know, even while we're talking about it, let's go to what Jeff Rogers had to say about him. Primarily uh, DHC. Uh, I mean, he, he made eight tackles in the last three games. I mean, that's good for a season for, for some people. So um, he's been really productive. And from a production standpoint, um, you'd have to point to him. Um, you know, this last game, Josh's role was reduced a little bit because he was playing so much on offense. So um, DHC is probably the best answer for your question. So, yeah, like Roger said, I mean, what he's been able to do in just three games and and all the tackles that he's made on special teams, I think that's that's great value. Now, all of a sudden, you have the player that you thought you were going to have, which is really good for that third phase. Also great for the third phase of getting getting McManus and Roy Robertson-Harris back. But uh, it looks like the Bears are going to be without, like we said, Deion Sims with that mysterious illness. Uh, Danny Trevathan, that calf injury just will not go away. Hasn't practiced in a couple of weeks, and uh, that's concerning because we we saw what that the defense uh, looked like without him out there, and it wasn't all that great against a run. Uh, another what relatively big loss for the second straight week. Bryce Callahan uh, will not. Uh, play and it doesn't look like Tom Compton is going to play either. So uh, if any injuries happen up front, it looks like Corona Strasu will end up back out on the field, which would be a, a, a detriment to the offense for sure. But yeah, it looks like Sam Ocho is going to play, and like we mentioned, Kyle Long and those two special teams guys. Uh, any any uh, comments on the uh, injuries here? Not really. I, I think it's pretty well kind of par for the course. The one thing I did find funny, though, I know you don't want to d- d- bash these guys, but, dude, Aronis Grasso had the first zero pass blocking grade that uh, Pro Football Focus has ever put out in the, the, in the two really? years that they've been doing the Madden grades. I mean, that just shows you, man, he was so bad. And I, and I know his style isn't to be that physical bully type guy. He kind of guides, you know, he, he guides players to where he wants them to go. Uh, but no, he's just not good. I mean, that's just really what it comes down to. And I think, I, I think getting this look at him is good though, because then the Bears going into next year will be able to say, okay, you know, he was a third round pick. It's obviously not working out. You can't put your eggs in one basket because I think they're gonna. And obviously, this is getting a little far into it, but this offseason, I think they're gonna shuffle the offensive line a little bit. And I, I think. Finding out these kind of things is definitely a good thing. Uh, as far as the injuries go, the only thing I will be keeping an eye on is Kyle Long. I understand that they want to get him out there. They want to get him back into a rhythm. But this is somebody who's dealing with, what was it, a dislocated finger or a broken finger. He has the ankle problem. He's got the shoulder problem. It's like if things, at least in my mind, if things don't go, go good for him over the next few games, it may be smart for them to shut him down because he's still going to need that shoulder surgery. He's still going to need that labrum surgery. His ankle still isn't 100%. It may just be best to get a head start on that kind of stuff because he wasn't healthy coming into this year. And I know a lot of people are frustrated because he just got that big contract. But healthy, when he's healthy, and hopefully that will be next year, this is somebody who, I mean, he's he's one of their best offensive linemen, if not the best offensive lineman, and he's somebody, uh, you know, in the future moving forward that they need healthy and that they need to get these issues taken care of. So that's just my only thought on the injuries kind of moving forward a little bit. Yeah, and I, I agree about Kyle Long. If he doesn't show, if he's not looking good out there and it, and it still looks like he's he's banged up, I mean, there's no point if you, if you end up, 
you know, four and if you're at four and ten or something like that, what what's the point of putting them out there for that last couple of weeks or however bad it gets for the Bears here going forward? If it doesn't look good and he doesn't look good, yeah, let's get him get him right and get him get him healthy for next season. That should be the priority. Uh, <clears throat> it would be a lot easier decision to make if Tom Compton were healthy because, like I said, if if it comes down to having to put Grassu out there, boy, oh boy. I didn't know he had he had the, a zero passer rating, but it doesn't surprise me at all from watching the tapes. It, that that guy is just playing on ice the entire game. It's amazing. So, um, one guy who has been doing well, Patrick O'Donnell. I, I think he's kind of drawn under the radar this year on how well he has uh, kicked. Right now, he leads the NFC in um, uh, punting average, forty-eight point two yards, and seventeen punts inside the twenty fourth. Uh, best in the NFC. So they're again going back to special teams. I think that's an area where he's been able to provide a lot of value uh, as, as a punter, you know, winning, helping win that field position battle. And when you have those gunners outside now who obviously are, are, are really excelling, man, I think that the, you know, special teams, especially going forward uh, with these young guys, I, I think that could be a strength for a while. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, and O'Donnell's one of those guys, especially that, I mean, he's going to be a free agent. I mean, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And luckily for punters, I mean, you're usually if you have a good punter or whatever it may be, you, you re-sign the guy. It's not really a big deal. So that'll be something to watch. I mean, they, they don't have too many crazy, uh, you know, pending free agents coming available. But I do think they need to put a priority on a guy like O'Donnell because I, I'll be honest, I wasn't overly impressed with his first two years in the league. I thought, Towards the end of his second year, he'd improved. Last year, he made pr- pretty good improvements, uh, even though they tried going out right before the season started, and they tried getting uh, uh, Colquitt and after he was cut from the Broncos or whatever it was. But So I think this is definitely good development. He, he's still young. It seems like he seems to be improving the last two years, so it, it's good to see. I think I was looking at his numbers the other day, and correct me if I'm wrong, has his, has his net punt, has his net punting average gone up at all because i know that was kind of lower in the league and that's not an, an really an indictment on him just more of i was just curious on the the numbers between that uh yeah his net numbers are still uh he's ranked 25th in the nfl in net average yeah that was i mean and like i said i don't really know that that's so much an indictment on him because uh, he's looked a lot better and i think but i think the biggest number there is those kicks inside the 20. I mean, right. that that's huge for field position. I mean, that, that shows you, because before he was kind of one of those, not only was he inconsistent, but the, the biggest issue I had with him was that he didn't really know how to angle any sort of punts, and it was very, you know, he was very touch and go with him inside, you know, the 40 or the 50-yard line, and, and a lot of those were going for touchbacks. And I know it sounds stupid when you're talking 5, 10, 15 yards on a field, but when you've got a team backed up at their 5 or 10-yard line, Versus the team starting off at their own twenty. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big difference, and especially with the you know with the opposing offenses uh, overall confidence. So I think, I mean, like I said, I I don't think it's going to take much. I would imagine two and a half three million dollars a year, and the guy's still young. He's somebody that even though uh, he wasn't drafted by Ryan Pace, I think he's somebody that you have to keep around. And and talking with some of the, talking with uh, some of those guys, especially Andy Phillips, when he was with the Bears, he said that the special teams guys are a very tight knit group uh, between him, Scales, Barth, all those guys. So I think you know keeping keeping uh, keeping him around would be, I mean, it would be a good thing, especially if he's performing. I mean, give him three million dollars a year over you know a four year period, and call it a day. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I don't think it would be that hard. I don't think there's going to be a, a team out there that's going to want to pay him ten million dollars a year or something crazy like that. I, you know, he's a, he's a good kicker, but he's not a great kicker. But I do think that he has 
like you said, his first couple of years weren't that great, and it was all about inconsistency with him. You know, he'd have one great kick, and then the next one would be horrible. And I think, you know, I, I had an opportunity to talk to him this week, and he's he's completely changed his approach to uh, kicking. He's, he uses a, more of a rugby style kick now. Uh, than he did back in college when he was kicking more spirals. So, uh, you know, he's that kind of took him a while to, you know, perfect. And then now we're starting to see the fruits of that effort. So uh, if he continues to get better, then, you know, you have your long-term punter. And, and, and like you said, I, it's not going to cost a whole lot. And I don't think there's any reason or he has any reason to want to bolt out of Chicago after they gave him the, his first opportunity, made him a draft pick. You know, I think he'll – if. You know he's earned another contract, and I, I think that, that he'll be here for a while for the Bears. But I just wanted to point him out before we move on to our preview of this Week 11 matchup against another NFC North opponent, the Detroit Lions, who are coming off a two-win, uh, two-game winning streak, and are now second place, tied for second place in the NFC North. I believe they have the tiebreaker over the Packers because uh, they beat the Packers a couple week, weeks ago, and then also uh, were able to beat the Cleveland Browns last week. And, you know, <clears throat> apparently a lot of people real high on the on the, the Lions uh, after beating two of the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, this is game at Soldier Field, so the Bears, again, will have home field advantage. We, let's start on the offense. Uh, what, you know... We talked about we talked about it a whole lot on Monday's podcast. You know, get Tariq Cohen back in the in the game, but what you know, where how do you start against you know when you're looking at this Detroit defense? Where do you start? What's what's your first the first part of your game plan going into this game? Well, I think the biggest thing with the Lions is is they're they're an opportunistic defense. So I think it's one of those situations where the Bears would best serve themselves by not turning the ball over. I know that sounds dumb, but they're 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 a team that has created a pretty decent amount of turnovers, and I think they have. I think I want to say they're either. I think they're in the top five in uh, defensive touchdowns. So, I think as far as I mean, the Lions' defense isn't as good as it has been uh, in the last few years. But I, I I think they're still a pretty good unit. I think their secondary is something that the Bears can definitely key in on. Um, you know, they're they're twenty second against the pass right now. I mean, they're giving up almost three hundred fifty yards per game. So I think. I think this is going to be another game where the Bears would be smart to let Trubisky throw the ball. And I, I know it's it, it seems like a broken record every week, but the Bears continue to face defenses over the last few weeks that aren't nearly as good as what Trubisky saw in his first handful of games. So I, I think the biggest key moving forward for them down this, this these next seven games, regardless of who the, the head coach is and who the offensive coordinator is, they need to... They need to let Trubisky throw the ball more. And I, I don't mean just the numbers total. I don't mean, you know, you need to set – he needs to throw the ball 30 times a game. I'm saying that he needs to throw the ball more on first and second down. And he needs to – there needs to be less predictability and more consistency about what they're doing. And I think that's a that's a big key right now because you're building confidence. You're building habits moving forward in these next seven games. And while I'm not overly concerned that this is going to be an issue next year, regardless of what goes on. It would be nice to see the Bears be able to instill some good habits within Trubisky. And I think this is a perfect team to start off. I mean, they don't have, they're not facing overly good defenses uh, the rest of the way out outside of Minnesota. And, I, you know, I guess Philadelphia has been improved. But this would, be a nice, this would be a nice time for them to start throwing the ball first and second down. I guess that's my biggest point right there. Well, I think your best option on first and second down, if you are going to throw the ball, is to throw it to Tariq Cohen. And, uh, you know, I did say, I did a look this week. It, it, really interesting the way the Bears have not been using Tariq Cohen the last few weeks. 
And uh, you, you look, at, according to the NFL uh, game systems and information system, uh, game statistics and information systems, the top 10 most used Bears offensive personnel units of those top 10, Tariq Cohen is a part of only two, which I think really, to me, says the most. It's more, you know, it's less about the excuses that Dow Loggins made this week about him getting double teamed and, and how, you know, he has they weren't able to get the ball to him in those situations because I think it's less about touches. I think it's more about you're just not putting them out the, on, the, on the field. I think, wait, do you have 13 snaps last week? Am I, am I correct? I want to say that sounds about right, and yeah. that's just completely unacceptable. Right, and I, I, you know, and this is the this is the guy that just a month ago you said was your best playmaker, and you can't find ways to get him on the field. And, and Loggins said that, uh, you know, against the Packers, that he's never in his three years that he's never seen the Packers double cover somebody, and then on the first play, uh, they double cover Tariq Cohen, and it was like he didn't know what to do. And so he didn't even put him back out of the field barely for the rest of the game. It was, it's it, you know he kept saying that the defense dictates what you do on offense, which I think is total BS. I think the offense should dictate what the defense does, and I think that's just more of an indication of, of our belief that that Loggins is in over his head because he just didn't know what to do. He you know he was talking about the different ways. He's like the Saints had a different approach to Tariq Cohen and the Packers had a different approach. Well, it's like, well, your job is to adjust to that approach and make sure that your best playmaker, what you called him, can get out on the field more than 13 snaps a game. I understand he brought up pass protection. They love Benny Cunningham in that role. They've used Michael Burton in that role. I understand that. I don't want Tariq Cohen trying to fill an A-gap against a 260-pound linebacker either. I, I, I get that, but... If you if you have a guy out there who commands so much attention, he talked about how they put their their uh, a lot of teams are putting their best cornerbacks on Cohen, and I've seen that on film. That that's that's true, but if they're and how they're double teaming it, well, he immediately said that well that that benefited Josh Bellamy, it benefited Jordan Howard on these specific plays. It's like if he's getting double covered, if he's getting so much attention, obviously that's going to create. Uh, opportunities for his teammates so now hey if if all he is is a decoy out there then great that's opening things up for the rest of the team he should be out there 70 percent of the snaps then i mean i understand you know he's like well you're giving jordan howard the ball all the time you can't get Tariq cohen i don't he doesn't have to run the football just get him out on the field use him as a wide receiver because he gives you a better opportunity than daniel brown or or even adam shaheen or you know before that Deion Sims these lumbering tight ends these these wide receivers who have no experiences this Tanner Gentry's they're all in these bunch formations formations on third down but Tariq Cohen isn't out there I did I, I went back and looked at on the film every third down over the last five weeks since since Mitch Trubisky has been the starting quarterback. Tariq Cohen has been on the field for 20% of those third downs, not including like kneel downs or plays uh, that have pre-snap penalties. 20% of the third downs Tariq Cohen has been out there. I understand you don't want to block him, people, but why can't you use him as a as a receiver, even as a decoy? If he's if he's pulling their best cornerback off of the off of our best wide receiver, then you then you have a mismatch at wide receiver. You know what I'm saying? Like I to me, this just kind of solidifies, kind of puts a bow on what we've been saying for a while, that, that Dow Loggins just, I, I, the guy just is in over his head. I agree. I, <laughs> I think you said it perfectly. He's in over his head. And I know a lot of people say, well, that's kind of dictated off of what's been going on this year. But even going back to last year, we kind of talked about it before, 
he threw the ball way too much last year and didn't run the ball enough. And now he's doing the exact opposite. And I think the predictability, the creativity, every little thing that he's doing, it's like when you're coming out openly admitting that the defense is dictating what you're doing on offense because you can't figure out a way to make in-game adjustments around that, I think that's a huge issue. This experience is going to do Trubisky well whether the Bears succeed or not. And they're not going to be here long enough. Uh, to totally uh, screw him up, they're they're going to be gone uh, shortly after this season ends, and hopefully the, the the a better group of people come come in here and and you know can make that type of turnaround that we've seen in Philadelphia uh, with Carson Wentz as well as uh, Jared Goff in, in Los Angeles. Uh, let's real quick flip over to the def- defensive side of the football against the Lions. Lions are a one dimensional team. Uh, people talked about how they have an improved rushing attack because they 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 ran for barely over a hundred yards as a team against the Browns. But in reality, this is uh, a team that just cannot run the football. Uh, 29th in the NFL right now in rushing. I think this is uh, this is what they do. I mean, it's you talk about forcing a team to be one dimensional. I think the Lions just come in knowing that they're one dimensional and that they're going to put all the pressure on uh, Matthew Stafford to carry the offense. And uh, Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator for the Bears, he thinks very highly of Stafford. Here's what he had to say. Well, he qualifies, <coughs> excuse me, as one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And I say that because there's really no one way to play him. Um, you know, when you become a great quarterback, it's because there is no one way to play it. You know, he's good against pressure. Uh, he's good against three-man rush. He's good against different types of coverages. So you just have to mix it up with him. Obviously, a good pass rush always goes a long way in helping play against any quarterback. But um, you got to be able to mix up what you're doing against him because he's good enough now. He's played in this offense now for a couple years. He's got a good grasp of it. So he, he's got a good feel of where to go, and he's got the arm talent and accuracy to, to go with it. Yeah, Fangio, I, I, I agree to an extent. Staff, Stafford has uh, 17 TDs compared to just five interceptions this year, an overall 96 QB rating. He's already passed for 2,400 yards, completing 62% of his passes. Not great, but uh, you know, not throwing those game-ending uh, picks uh, that he's done in the past, he's looked really efficient, and uh, I, you know, I, with the way that Kyle Fuller played last week, especially trying to go up against a guy uh, in Golden Tate who's been outstanding the last month, uh, there's a very uh, touchy situation for the Bears secondary where you know Matthew Stafford's been able, kind of been able to chew up some of the past secondaries. I know this is a better secondary than what we've seen in the past, but I think the, really to me the key is to get Golden Tate taken care of. I think if you if you're able to wrap him up. I don't think the other talent with with Jones or Galladay, I you know Ebron has never really scared me too much. You know I think really your your second best passing passing option for the Lions is Theo Riddick out of the backfield. So I think really the key is Golden Tate. So here's and and, and Fangio had another good quote about Golden Tate and and really the way to stop him. Here's what he had to say. Well, he's just a very good receiver. Um, you know I'm gone against him when he was in Seattle and now here. Um, He's a really good runner after the catch. He's kind of built like a running back and runs like one once he gets the ball in his hand. So he's a double threat, you know, not just catching it, but then after he catches it, what he does with it. And um, he's good on the low routes, but yet he can get deep also too. So he's kind of a complete receiver with really good running ability after the catch. So, yeah, there you have it, Golden Tate. Matthew Stafford, what are the, what do you, what are the Bears defense trying to do to get a win here? 
Oh, man, that's tough uh, because, like you said, I think Gold Tate's definitely an issue. Uh, I think Marvin Jones is a really good player as well. Uh, but I think the biggest the biggest question mark I have, once again, with Danny Trevathan probably being out this week is uh, how are the Bears going to be able to stop whatever they have coming out of the backfield? Abdullah's not a bad pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, Riddick is a really good pass catcher out of the backfield. I mean, they have a lot of different dimensions within the, the passing game to where they're going to be able to attack the Bears. And... I, I I'm still I'm confused. I don't understand why Christian Jones is once again going to be the play caller this week. I, we we've seen a few games where that's just not worked out. That's not his strength. I understand that he's on the field more than Kwiatkowski. Flip that. Make Kwiatkowski had a I thought he had a pretty good game in week two, uh, calling plays, whatever it may be. I just I think with Danny Trevathan out, this is going to be a this is going to be another tough uh, tough game for the Bears defense. Uh, the biggest thing I'm looking for is how Kyle Fuller is going to rebound. I mean, this is a guy that's got seven games left uh, before his contract's up, you know, and I think this is going to tell a lot about the Bears. Um, but overall, I mean, I just I don't I don't think this is a good matchup for the Bears. Uh, and it, and with that being said, I, I would say I, I guess I'm going to go ahead and go. I think I'm going to go 27-14 Lions. Uh, but you know, each week, man, it's like I make a prediction and they do the exact opposite. So it wouldn't shock me if they went the other way. <laughs> I feel the same way. I'm going to go 21-10 Lions. Uh, I think the Bears, uh, you know, they're going to have to play a perfect game defensively to be able to stop uh, what Matthew Stafford and the Lions have been able to do. And that's that's going to be tough to do without Danny Trevathan out for another week. Uh, the, he's probably your best player on defense. And, and uh, that, that could create a two-pronged attack there for the, the Lions. Uh, if they're able to run the football, forget about it. Uh, it's going to get out of control. So uh, that's it, guys. Uh, hopefully, for the sake of Bears fans, Aaron and I are completely wrong again <laughs> this week. And the Bears uh, get a win, a victory in the NFC North uh, for the first time this season would be great. Uh, but thank you for hanging out with us for the last 45 minutes. Uh, follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can give me a follow at Bear Report. Uh, be sure to follow all of our work at BearReport.com as well as the Bear Report Facebook page. And uh, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Talk to us every day at the Bear Report message boards. That's it, guys. Have a great weekend. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.